and welcome back to The Latecomers. I'm Amity. I'm Amity. And this week, we are back. And so are they. Because sometimes they come back. Oh, that was very good. Ha ha! That was very good. I did it. So this week we watched the 1991 CBS television movie produced by Dino De Laurentiis, Sometimes They Come Back, based on a short story. What was the name of the short story? Uh... Sometimes they come back. Okay, and the adaptation was... Sometimes they come back. Okay. So, it's the same. It's in the collection Night Shift from 1978, originally published in March 1974, issue of Cavalier. Is that a men's magazine? Sounds like a men's magazine. It It should be if it isn't. Uh, Yep, men's magazine. How can you tell? What made you say yep? Oh, uh, I clicked on the Cavalier magazine Wikipedia Uh page, and there's a... A half-naked woman leaning up against the back of a man on a motorcycle on the cover. Oh, and also, be. under categories, it says men's magazine. Could be a coincidence. Mm, I don't think so. Okay. So, it was originally published in Cavalier, then it was published in Night Shift. It was supposed to appear in Cat's Eye as a segment. And it didn't? It did not. Okay. And I my sense is that it got too long and could not fit into the movie. And De Laurentiis already owned the property because right. Cat's Eye. Yes. Dino De Laurentiis owned many properties. This okay. is one. And this is one. So before we talk about the movie, how are you doing? Is everything all right? I, I'm, I'm okay. We're great. <laughs> You're okay. We're okay. We're okay. Well, so. seriously, how was your week? Because uh, you went out and did something this weekend. I have been well, writing yes. the, compulsively. The, uh, we're all off kilter because we are recording this well in advance. Finally, right. we're building up a stock. Guys, we're learning how to do this podcasting thing 100 in. We're not 100 in, but we're 90-some in. 90-some in. And this week I went out of town because this week, this week that we are recording is mm-hmm. just past Labor Day. So I went to visit friends, and it was good. And you played games. I played board games okay. for four days. You were a board game enthusiast. I always am. Okay. But yeah, I guess I was extra this weekend. We uh, got my friend down uh-huh. to... At one, When he first did a count, he had only played 55% of the games that he owned. And really? he owned well over 200. That's a bad ratio. Right now he's up to, of the Euro games that he owns, 92 point something something percent. Wow. So... So are there games he comes back to? Oh, yes, for sure. But sometimes not for like a whole year. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, But we played a bunch of new games this week. Because so I, I don't understand how it works sometimes. I tend to like something and then just do it until I either exhaust the urge yes. or I um, I find other things to supplement it. And so yes. I, as you've often made fun of me for, I can watch the same movie oh, yeah. two or three dozen times. Mm-hmm. But and I can do that too. Uh, and like in the house, we play mm-hmm. You know, the same four games over and over again. Right. But we also don't own 300 games. Right. <laughs> so uh, it's a, it's a, it takes longer to learn and play a game, too. So if uh, you've got four hours, then you can play a new game. Yeah. If you've got an hour and a half, then you play a game you've already played before. And yes, these games do take that long. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, and I don't sleep much during those weekends, so I am sleeping a lot this week and catching up on work. And waiting for the next heat wave. 
That's my life. And trying not to let the news smush me into No, I understand. Oblivion. So not and we're reveling in Stephen King because yes, we are, we're having we are this week as we record, uh-huh. we are releasing part one of the IP of the IP, Ip. <laughs> of the It uh, miniseries episodes, uh-huh. uh, which corresponds with the release of part two of the film adaptation, which I'm sure by the time people hear this, we will have seen. Right. Uh, so we're just basking. That's the clown movie we are watching. We're on the fence about Joker, but we're kind of into... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, I called you today and I said, clown movies. It, yes. Joker, no. (laughs) I just, I'm not, I don't know. There seems to be a subtext to that movie, though, which I think in other times would not be harmful. Yeah. And might actually be interesting right now, given the state of disenfranchised... um, White men. Young white men being weaponized into extremist groups that's like I, I yeah and given the aurora colorado mm. shooting i'm hesitant to go to the theater while right. joker is in yeah. its opening weekend which there's too i much hate of this to say kind of i just i had a very interesting text message from a, a friend one of our house guests from back when so i won't mention them by name but you'll know who they are and she couldn't get into work today because there was a police shooting across the street from her job because somebody showed up with a chainsaw and was chasing pedestrians around. Okay. And so she just got back in her car and was like, I'm going home, by the way. I'm not going to yeah, go into work I'm today. not. And this apparently is kind of, not a strip mall quite, but it's a, a place where it's like she works at a, like a salad chain back east. Okay. So it's, it's not a shopping even, center. It'd, right. be, it'd be like working at a Chipotle. And a right, exactly. Mall, but yeah, yeah it's not the kind of place that seems to inspire the, you know, the, um, the New York Chainsaw Massacre, but apparently somebody was running out with one, which I don't understand for the life of me. So yeah, that was the... (laughs) I just heard about this thing Uh in a podcast that I'd never heard of before. Which doesn't exist, but go ahead. I believe the podcast I was listening to was And That's Why We Drink, Uh which is my... uh, I like that one. My MFM replacement. And... Uh, they were talking about the Poe effect, uh-huh. which is the realization that like you could cause a death by doing the least little thing. Yes, either your own or someone else's. Like if I if right. we're if we're driving down the road and I swerve, I could kill us both. Like just like that. Well, that's that's kind of uh, that fascinates me as a writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw a film a number of years ago called Open Water. Mm-hmm. And that movie is great. It's just a great movie and a terrifying movie too, but um, particularly if you don't like sharks and you can't swim, as in my case. Yeah, that's a double whammy. <laughs> but um, and there's jellyfish because it can get worse. Mm-hmm. But the villain, so to speak, in that film is just a guy who can't follow rules. They keep a very strict tally of who's allowed oxygen tanks and who mm-hmm. isn't, and who's buddied up. And he breaks the rules, so he's not allowed to do it. He's not allowed to go and uh, scuba with the other people. And he winds up, when no one's looking, strapping on a tank and throwing the count off. And this results in these two people being abandoned out at sea and eventually being devoured by sharks. Yum. And it's just one... Spoiler alert for open water. Right. (laughs) But I mean... I know it's been out for two decades, I think. But one big kind of jock guy who really feels upset that he's not 
allowed to do something for not following the rules. So we had a straight pride parade and ruined everything for right. everyone. What that's kind of what it was, and to me that that fascinated me that this this is not a villain. That he's not evil, so to speak. No, he's it's just, just a big, dumb, self-absorbed guy. Yep. And his actions result in the death, death. of two people. Yeah. And so I think about that a lot. Like people who yep. just do stupid things casually that wind up because in a traffic uh, or uh, in a at a stoplight they don't wait their turn or right. they don't follow the zipper properly. Oh my or god! Something. Yesterday driving, uh-huh. we we encountered yes. like nineteen people like it this. Was I was exhausted by the time we got home because I was just like, mm-hmm. it feels like everyone out here is trying to kill me. Yeah, it actively does trying way. to kill me. <laughs> And it, it was it, the idea that you can wind up on the wrong end of things just because someone's being stupid and thoughtless. Yeah. But then there's that thing of, like, literally, I could go into the kitchen right now, mm. and I have 45 things at my disposal that if I poke myself in the right place, I'd mm-hmm. just be dead. Right. That's true, too. Like. You get a, <laughs> I mean, it's been a little over 35 years of martial arts for me. And yes, the fragility of the human body is yeah. amazing sometimes. The durability can be amazing, but the really weird yeah. ways in which a person can be killed. It, yeah, you're going. True crime podcasts will also right. fuck you up for this. I'm listening to a podcast called Hell and Gone, mm-hmm. and it's the second season where they're trying to ascertain how this young lady died. Right. And there have been three different autopsies with three different. Yeah. Results. Conclusions That's and you know, crazy. 30 years have gone by, so you're looking at actual injuries and autopsy artifacts, right. and like it's wild. So, uh, speaking of ways in which a person can die, yeah, sometimes they can die by being stabbed or mushed by a now, This is a film that's kind of about that stupid accidental things that happen. Yeah, it's thoughtlessness, too. Right. Yeah. Th- this is a prank that goes overboard, and... Yeah, and and an, a, a type of person that I don't understand. So, uh-huh. yeah, let's get... And we'll, we'll talk about the film, and then we'll talk about the... The film varies greatly from uh-huh. the original story. Like, like they're... They're vaguely the same, but they're wildly different. So okay. uh, I wouldn't call this a strict adaptation so much as uh, we took a title and the vague idea of a thing and then changed it so entirely. So it's somewhere between a faithful adaptation like, I don't know. Um, like Stand By Me. Stand By Me and a ridiculous adaptation like Lawnmower Man, which has nothing, nothing to do, to do with the original title. Right. Yes, yeah, something like that. So this... Movie aired in 1991 on CBS. Mm-hmm. Did you watch it? I was aware that it was on, but I didn't get to watch it. Okay. I didn't even know it was on. I'd never heard of it before. So I'm coming in totally new. Uh-huh. So with this movie, we meet uh, Jim Norman. It's 1990. Mm-hmm. We meet Jim Norman, who's 36. He's a high school history teacher. And he moves with his wife and son to his hometown. Right. His wife is played by Brooke Adams. Brooke Adams, who we have seen... Formerly from The Dead Zone. In The Dead Zone. Who you refer to as... The Smile. The Smile. And I refer to as 
not Margot Kidder. Well, it, reminded, it reminded me of my mom used to never could remember Julia Roberts' name, so she just called her the oh, lady with all the teeth. Yeah. I see that more for Julia Roberts than for Brooke right. Adams. Her mouth is not overly large to me. Mm-hmm. She looks like not Margot Kidder. Like, in other words, she looks like Margot Kidder, and then I have to keep reminding myself that it is not right. Margot Kidder. Now, granted, also, please understand that I have not seen Margot Kidder in well, many things, so that may yeah, not be true. There's a world of difference. I grew up watching Margot Kidder in things, right. so I can tell them plainly apart. Right, but to me, they yeah. are... They are affable-looking brunette women mm-hmm. with pretty faces. Yeah, and great smiles. That's yes, the smile they thing. both have good, very good smiles. So and cheekbones. It's a cheekbone thing too, I think. He is coming back and accept, has accepted a teaching job after mm-hmm. an incident in Chicago involving his anger. We never know what that incident Which is, I other than that it was in Chicago and it involved b- anger. Right, and was blown out of proportion or was mis. Um, misreported somehow uh, because she says you cleared that up with him but the principal is still like keeping an eye on Mr. Norman uh, so we see Mr. Norman go into his uh, senior class which he like sort of goofily is like oh thank god you're seniors and you're gonna not give me a hard time uh, to which the seniors immediately give him a hard time now this is another instance of a class of 20-somethings <laughs> with 20 something is 12 generous. o'clock shadows happening. Like Now, mind you, I would like to very quickly reference something that you said while we were watching the film. Tim yeah. Matheson. Yes. Oh, what yes. are your feelings about Tim Matheson? So Tim Matheson is a person, so he's playing Jim Norman, mm-hmm. and he is very good, and also I feel like he never... Like, I, what I said when we were watching this was, who did he piss off in Hollywood that he didn't get a, the career that he deserved? Right. Like, it feels to me like he didn't do something. He didn't jump through a hoop. Right. And so he didn't become a star. Yeah, because he's, he's very good he's in everything. He's very good. He's a very he's photogenic a, actor. He's he, a really good actor. He's a good-looking dude. Right. Like, there's no reason that he couldn't have been more of a right. leading man. I mean, I always... And re- when I see him, he is uh, the leading man. Yeah. He's also not been relegated to... No, no. He takes... He's uh, interesting. When you look at the cast of Animal House, aside from John Belushi, the person you remember really is him, Tim I Matheson. I 100% forgot that he was the oh, Animal well, House. I remember when I'm watching the movie. <laughs> Um, but in a, Animal yeah. House had the problem of all of those dudes blended in together. Yeah. Y'all, if you have not, if you started what, listening to us with the Stephen King episodes, we have done several seasons. One of them was a bunch of movies based on the month and decade, and mm-hmm. we watched Animal, Animal House. House. And uh, so that's an episode yeah, you can for listen me. To. I remembered him because he does. He carries himself like leading man. I remember watching, um, it's not inside the actor's studio, I keep calling it that. Do you mean, no. The roundtable discussion. Oh, yeah. Um, It's called, shit, with the Hollywood Reporter. Right. Something in conversation. There was an episode where they had a bunch of new actors, young actors, who were all very good, and the table was anchored by Russell Crowe and Denzel Washington. Right. 
And you could just... And it's it nothing was, I against think that was being drama actors. Right. It's nothing against young actors, but movie star means something. There are some yeah. people who you there's, just look at. There's a magnetism. And those two guys across the table from each other were just like yeah. getting all the attention. And then I think Mel Gibson was on for director, and he was another one. Yeah. Whatever problems or issues there are with Mel Gibson, he is certainly a movie star. And when he's sitting at a table of people, you're watching what he's doing. And either he knows how to draw you in, or he's doing yeah. something, or gesturing... Mm-hmm. I think Tim Matheson had that, but it just... It's a big head. He's got a big head. Well, that's it. That's the theory. I think Tim Matheson has that, particularly in this film where his hair is so big. He does have big hair in he this. Has, yeah, like feathered... Beautiful long locks. And post, or just post-80s, uh, post I guess? Yeah. 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 It's, it's 1990, so it's still the 80s. Technically, it's still the 80s, right. So, so yeah, there's the incident. So there's some incident mm. with anger. But we don't know what it is. We never know what it is. Um, and the seniors in this class are a bunch of assholes. It's basically, well, Chip, the lead jock of the group, stands up and basically is like... My name is Chip. Or the Chipster, depending yeah. on how close we get. No. No, it doesn't depend, You will actually, never be close enough for me to that. ever call you Chipster. Um... And he's basically like, this is a skate class. You're going to give us all good grades. It's for jocks on the football team mm-hmm. and airhead girls. Right. To which the girls are like, uh, fuck you. But right. uh, basically, you're going to give us good grades so that we can get, you know, do well in football. And he's like, you'll get good grades if uh, you do the work. Like, fuck you, teenager. Sit your ass down. Teen college student. Teen yes. college senior. Sit down. I don't even think he's in college. This is like a 25-year-old dude. Uh, now, at the same time, we see him. He, he visits uh, what was his old house. Right. And, and then um, we Which see him. Which is all him, boarded up. Yeah, it's all boarded up. And then we see him have. He keeps slipping through time. It's memories. Uh-huh. But he's like sleepwalking. It's. The way yeah. that it's filmed is odd. There's an attempt to make it more interesting than just a flashback. Right, like it's I, a magical realist thing. Yeah. But at the same time, I was confused as to... Because this is it. That will work in a drama if you have these sort of weird kind of segues into the past. In a fantasy movie, essentially, where you can't tell what's supposed to be real right. and what's supposed to yeah. not be real, it was a little confusing. It going, was a little bit weird. Okay, where are we go- what are we doing now? So he's having these dreams, mm-hmm. and then he, like... He's he's walking through the house in his robe. We don't know if he's awake or asleep. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden, the light changes, and he's watching his younger self. Right. And the situation of when he was a little kid. Also, this is why I was confused, because I was like, are they living in his old house? But no, yeah. because it's all boarded it's up. Location. But the flashback seamlessly happens in his new house uh-huh. and then they're in the old house. Right, exactly. So it's like a weird like at different points in the movie I'm like, wait, are they are they staying yes. in his house? No, they're not. But because he's having these flashbacks where his adult self is seeing his kid self in a different location in the same town while ostensibly standing in his yeah. own house. It's weird. It's it's hard to follow. But um, we see 
him as a little kid, Jimmy, at the at the age of nine, and his older brother Wayne, who is uh the he's John Cusack from Stand By Me. I mean, he is yeah. There's these idealized the, brother this character. idealized older brother character. This effervescent doesn't pick on his kid brother, but tries to lift him up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kid brother is almost comically timid. Yes, I think is the character and crying constantly. Yes, at one point <laughs> he expresses terror at the Jesus in the church. Yes. Which becomes an important plot point because yeah. his brother tells him, "Well, this is the safest well, place safest you can be." Safest place you can be. But you know, and it's not a crucifix because I can understand a kid having the will. No, that's the thing. A no, crucifix it's, is it's, a it's a risen Jesus, so he's happy with his arms spread and you know, loving embrace, and yeah. the kid's still terrified of him. He's afraid of everything. So he, um, they're gonna go walk to the library uh-huh. to return his books and pay his library fine, and they're gonna go through this. Uh, Railway tunnel, which mm-hmm. seems ill-advised at the least. Query to anybody who knows Stephen King's stuff in our, our biography, in our audience. Did he ever see a kid hit by a train? Because this is a recurring theme. Maybe, now. yeah. I'm, I'm be- sure that in these little towns that, that happens I all the time. I bet he didn't see it, but or I he bet he knew right. somebody. Okay, because yeah. this, this keeps coming back. Yeah, this, is, this has happened re- recurrently. Uh yeah, and it feels like he's working out yeah. trauma for sure. <laughs> um, and they're walking, and then this car pulls up behind them, and yeah. it is a—I believe it's a Cadillac. It's got—it's black and it's got flames on it, and the the thugs, the street toughs, Fraternity the greasers, greasers mm-hmm. uh, come out, and these are uh, once again supposed to be high school students, but are definitely in their thirties, twenties, uh-huh. mm, probably twenties. Uh, and they decide they need to pick up on these kids. Now, this is this is what I don't understand. And right. you did tell me that they're like boys are shitty and will do this. Uh-huh. And it's uh, the same mentality that Henry Bowers from It has, right? right. We're going to find these other boys and we're going to beat on them for no reason. Yeah. Like, what? why, though? I have no idea. And... I'm not naive to the fact that people suck. Uh-huh. That's fine. But what do they get out of it? You know, and again, telling you the, the, the weirdest experience I had with bullying as a kid was having a jump rope put around my neck like a loop and being dragged with it by a bunch of kids. I did not know that. Uh, you say, was, like, like, like this is a I conversation we've had. No. Um, so... <laughs> Or having a frisbee thrown in your face. That's terrible. I mean, I got called terrible things. Right. But never was I physically assaulted by boys or girls. Um, Now, granted, I'm I'm a girl. Right. And I've always presented that way. So, you know, but I was heavy. So I got called things. Um, And, uh, you know, and I was a nerd. But I was also like, I'm fucking better than you, but so whatever. Also like, <laughs> there's the element when you're a nerd, at least nowadays, that there's other nerds. Yeah, it's a larger crowd. And there was, there, there always was for me too. Yeah. Like, I never didn't have friends. But I was. It, it's the first maybe four or five years of yeah, I guess elementary school was the worst, where it was just. And then I got old enough to start. You know, I realized that running, I I wasn't very good at running to this day. I'm not right. 
So no, you learned to stand and fight. Well, that was it. I can't, I can't run, so I might as well do something because if not, I'm just going to get beat up anyhow, and I'll yeah. get beat up defending myself. Or I beat just up I don't understand this this uh-huh. ma- and it's typically masculine yeah. women are cruel. Mm-hmm. We're not you. We don't usually put hands on each other. Although that's not entirely true because you see a girl take off her earrings, and you better look the fuck out. Right. <laughs> um, but I like does is this trickle down from abusive parents? I, yeah. You know what? I bet it is because this will be a little bit of honesty about me. Okay, I was physically abused. I was beaten by my by my parents. It was it was beyond spanking. It uh-huh. was it was a thing, um, and. For a long time, if friends or if people made me mad, I would hurt them. Uh-huh. I wouldn't, like, I was never throwing fists, but uh-huh. I would, like, dig my nails into somebody uh-huh. to hurt them, to let them, to, mostly because I wanted to get away. Right. And if they yeah. were physically restraining me, I would hurt them. And I think that I did that because I was, I understood what it was to be hurt. And yeah. so I was like, oh, if I, I put that on somebody, it'll make them stop doing whatever I want. physically pushed around makes you violent. Yeah, I think it I can. Think it it gives it you like a rage Right, and that was response. when I was a kid, and I don't know if I mentioned that in one of the other podcasts. When I was a kid, you, you um, and I'm right across the street from the school I went to, Manzanita Elementary, um, when you were in kindergarten, you only went for half a day. Right. So you left early, and I was taken over to a friend of my mom's who uh, who had, a, like, an older son who used to beat the hell out of me every day. And it was because right. that's what Right. I'm not sure exactly was, what was going know. in his okay. head, but he would beat me up all the time. And so finally, when I was coming home with bruises, my mom confronted her friend about it, and that ended that friendship. Right. Because the friend told uh, my mom, oh, well, why doesn't your son toughen up? He's going to be some kind of queer if he doesn't do anything. Awesome. Okay. And so the end result was It's that just all toxic masculinity. My mom it's just... would get really angry at me for not defending myself. And there was a really bad occasion once where I got beat up in a schoolyard and I began to cry and she smacked me for crying. Because, oh my God. In the schoolyard because yeah, she didn't is. want people to think I was some kind of queer. It really... And that was a fear of hers up until this, which is... Anybody who knows me would find that like of all the things to accuse me of. There's nothing. There's so many. Wrong okay. With there's it, so many things just, wrong with it because right. what it is is masculinity is yeah. X, Y, and Z, and it exactly. is it is being violent. It is mm-hmm. being an asshole, but that that quote unquote being some kind of queer mm-hmm. is. It's, I don't even think it's about, it's just misogyny. I don't mm. even think it's about you being gay, like right. actually homosexual, as much as showing any kind of a f- femininity. I don't think that she because God what forbid, queer meant, no, frankly. I um, think that she, that and might I, the, the, the odd thing is, I did have a gay friend in elementary right. school. Well, and, and, and your mom had gay friends. Like, right, later on she did. Um, but what made me laugh about that is I had this gay friend, um... Jamal, I guess it's safe to say his name, but yeah, every Jamal is yes, now like he what? Was, he was very he he would get in these really fits of temper, and he would do very typically feminine. He would thing. pull out his knitting out of his desk and, and start knitting. Knitting, away. For, you know what? 
And it was it was That's great. That's awesome. But he was also he would fight people at the drop of a hat. So like the you know they were accusing me of being gay because I wasn't fighting back. And the guy that was gay was swinging all the time. Well, because he didn't have an option because right. it would have he would have been killed. If right. He... But I mean, it's just like so... I just I just yeah. So because we keep having these toughs, these street right. toughs that really their entire impetus is mm. if you lay a hand on me, I'm going to kill you. Well, look at... And I'm just going to do... I'm going to... But I'm going to put my hands all over you, and I have the right to do that. Like, what is this mind... It's so bizarre to me. very weird. I remember watching, because I used to watch it a lot, Bully Beatdown, remember? Oh, Lord, yes, I do. And that was a fun show. And for those of you who don't know what it was, it was... um, I think it was on MTV. Yeah, a really fun MMA fighter, Jason... Oh, I'd forgotten his name. Mayhem. Mayhem. Um, and he would... I think, Turns he, out he's problematic, I believe. Yeah, he's a little bit problematic. <laughs> but what he would do is, because he was bullied so much... And this Miller. What got him into martial arts, he would uh, find a person who's being bullied and invite their bully to win $10,000 off of staying two rounds in a ring with a professional mixed martial artist. This never went well for the bully. No, they gave the bullies, and they're all like high schoolers. High schoolers and college. They're young kids. And they gave them, you know, trainers. Right. But, of course, these kids come in fucking dick swinging like, I don't need any of this. Right. And then they got their asses handed to them every time. He would do an interview, a pre-fight interview with these tough guys. And what he almost inevitably got was these guys going, well, I'm just, he's my friend, the guy I'm picking on. He's Bill's my friend, Todd's my friend. I'm just trying to teach him to toughen up. And it was such a reflection of the kind of thing that an abusive father would say, or an older brother. Yeah. And it really, the number of times you heard, oh, he's my pal. And like the guy's, he's not my pal. You know, he comes up, he broke my surfboard, he took a, like a towel out of the steam towels at the gym and threw it in my face while I was on the bike. I fell over and like got six stitches or something, and this, but it's like, oh, that's my pal. I was just goofing off, and they almost never understood that they were really seriously hurting somebody. Yeah, and they kept couching it in, well, he'll be tougher for this, and it'll it'll teach him something, and it did sound so yeah, much. Yeah, like, it taught him to beat up on people who are weaker than him, right? To get a modicum of power back. And remember, when King was writing this, this is the fifties. Yeah, I would. Well, I, and he, he was writing in the sixties. I would 70s. not. I wouldn't ask you to sit in because I ask you to watch things now for the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't ask you to watch too many episodes of TV westerns from the 50s and 60s, things like Big Valley or Bonanza, because aside from the obvious racism, mm. there is a constant theme of if the hero ever fails to beat up the villain or the villain overcomes him, that he literally hangs his head in shame and kind of skulks off because uh, he's been beaten up. Like, the only worth your masculine well, because worth to- is Yeah, the toxic masculinity... It's very weird. And it was really conditioned. It was a part of the really time. really rampant and deeply ingrained. And, of course, a lot mm. of these kids have parents who came back from the war right. with deep psychological problems yeah. that are, of course, not addressed or made fun of. Hey, shell shock. Right. Like, really, motherfucker? <laughs> <laughs> like... Really? Oh, that kid! Wow. What that were we watching? Gross. That I don't even remember. That was a I thing. just remember that was a thing, and it was uh, not good. <laughs> it wasn't it, good. It was terrible. 
So I do want to say something real quick about Mayhem Miller. He did not learn anything from that and is currently in prison on domestic violence charges. Oh, really? So. That's a pity. That's pretty trash. Uh, yeah. So not a great dude, but it was a good idea. It was a good the idea. The show was a actually, good idea. Actually, a divorce from that it was a good program, but if yeah. he's a bully too, then it doesn't make any right. sense. Right, yeah. Yeah, no, that's a, that's really unfortunate. But I did want to say that in yeah. case some of our listeners knew that and were like, don't say any good things about him. Look, yeah, no, that's shitty as hell. So back to the show. So he's going to have these on this ongoing issue with Chip, who's like, pictures past me. Oh, no. I'm sorry. We are in we're the at the flashback. Mm-hmm. So these greasers come up and they attack Wayne. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get their money. They have tw- literally 12 cents. It's 12 cents that he owes on his library books. And they... Um, They stab Wayne. No, but, and again, this goes to also to the theme of accidental um, murder. Yeah, because it doesn't seem like he intends to... He's no, got no. a knife in his hand. He pulls a knife to threaten to scare them, and in all the roughhousing, the kid falls onto the knife, especially when his little brother's smacked around. Okay. And this reminds I couldn't me... Rem- I, doesn't he swing on, on the yeah, main well, kid, Yeah, well, when he sees though, his brother being roughhoused... That's right. He swings on the main guy who brother, says... half the size of yeah. this guy. Who uh-huh. says if anybody who nobody who hits me lives? Right. Which I'm like, so how many bodies are there behind you? Because right. that sounds like a bullshit well, thing you to have say. Like three guys backing you up all the time. No one's going to swing on you. That That's might just be true. the way it goes. So, yeah, he ends up basically falling on this and these little knives. That's the mm-hmm. other thing is it's a switchblade. It's not a big knife. Right. I mean, it's big it, enough. <laughs> it's big enough <laughs> right. to kill a twelve-year-old. Um. I saw West Side Story. I know how this goes. And meanwhile, Wayne mm. is yelling to Jimmy to run. Yeah. And Jimmy sees the keys to uh-huh. their car, which are on a red rabbit's foot. Uh-huh. And he scoops them, puts them in his pocket, and takes off. And then the train comes. Right. And, and so these kids are in the train tunnel, in their car. In the train tunnel, in the car, which, bad idea, gentlemen. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they can't, they, they're in the car, they can't find the keys because they don't, He's right. got them. And one of them climbs out the window and starts to run. Mm-hmm. And the other ones are still in the car when the train hits and everything explodes. With a spectacular <laughs> force, I have to say. Yeah. So this is the flashback we get. Mm-hmm. Then adult Jim continues to go to school. He has a run-in with Chip, who's like puts hands on him mm-hmm. in the parking lot, which is wild to me. I'm like, because some time has passed and yeah. he's getting a failing grade when the coach is putting, has suspended him. So he's pissed off. And then uh, he talks to another kid who's like a donor with an ear cuff. Right. You know what I mean? A, mu- a real musician type. He's got a, In fact, I think he's got a guitar on his back. Uh and he, um, I, I'm sorry that these there are such broad strokes in this. It film. is. It's very. It's. It's yes. It's each, like each character is archetypes. drawn with. Yes. It's archetype. Archetypes. Archetypes are us. And after they're done talking, the kid rides away on his bike, drops his drops his wallet, 
and uh, Jim finds it and picks it up and tries to chase him down. Mm. That's Billy is the name of the kid, and he's following him in his VW bus. Right. And then he sees that car. Right. And that car runs Billy down. Billy goes over an embankment on his bike. Right. And dies. Now, I have to say that the car is a little bit behind Christine in terms of terrifying because it, it's way too literal. The car has flames on it. It does. It's and black it shoots, and it has flames. It shoots flames out, out of, of its butt. Of yep. Yep. <laughs> like, like the Batmobile. Mm. So it was very hard. To, oh, the old Batmobile, not the new one. So it was very hard to take this yeah. jet-powered flame car very seriously. Yep. And the next day, uh, what's his name? Richard Dawson? No. No, Richard That's... Dawson was another movie. No, Lawson. Richard Lawson. Okay. The character. Shows up in his classroom, mm -hmm. and it's the head greaser that killed his brother, looking the same as the day he died, mm -hmm. seemingly knows him, doesn't give away the whole thing, right. but seemingly knows him, does taunt him just like the other fucking seniors. He tells him to stop staring at him. Yeah. Like, he's real aggressive, and he's like, oh, there's a seat open, I guess, because Billy's dead. Right. And uh, it's real shitty. I have to say, though, in favor of this film, mm -hmm. this is the first time that the <coughs> excuse me, this is the first time the Brotherhood of Greasers, as we see them in every Stephen King story, almost, yeah. is in any way kind of creepy or menacing. But yes, because generally are they are bit. pretty like you've got to be kidding. Those are the villains. I mean, right. the closest we've come is Stand by Me. Well, yeah. one of them is clearly psychotic. Yeah, I believe Kiefer Sutherland will kill somebody. But <laughs> That's this is the first time I felt like, oh, they they are they're a dangerous group of people. Yes, they're also very like, especially the dude that plays uh, Richard Lawson is yeah. very tall. Like yeah. he's a big dude. Yeah, and he portrays he does a really good job of getting that kind of confidence that comes from violence. Yeah, like he's done it often enough to where he knows what how to sucker punch a guy. And it's also really interesting because he's shown up as a new kid, right? Uh -huh. And all of the kids are drawn to him. Right. Like you can see that they're like, there's something about this guy. Right. Uh, so he's sitting in the class, and Jim is like, "Uh, this is bad." Right. And then two other students end up dying. Right. One of them is Kate, mm -hmm. who is um, a young woman who was offended by being called <laughs> an yeah, airhead yeah. Uh, and has a, converse, a brief conversation with him. I think they're out, both out walking, and he, out walking he walks her yeah. a little bit, a little, a little ways, and then that same night, she is run down by the car. Um, she's hung, I believe. She, yes, and yeah. what happens is he goes home and has a dream that she's uh, been attacked in a field. Mm -hmm. And when she doesn't show up for class the next day, right? but Vinny does. Yeah. The blonde of the greaser they group. They kill one, game. they replace one. Right. Uh, he says, this girl's missing and we've got to go find her. And there's a and they, they listen to him mm -hmm. and they have a search party and then he does end up finding her in a barn and she's hung 
from the ceiling. Yeah, what did you feel about that? Because when I was watching that scene, I was kind of um, almost like there was a sexual assault that didn't get referenced. Yeah, it looked like they were raping her. Uh, But it's not... Now, when I say that, I don't want to say that there's anything in the scene that makes you think they're raping her. They were surrounding her and menacing her and knocked her down. That's what it was. I Uh, think that's all it was. was She's on her back and there are these all these male figures. Right. Although you don't even really see that. You just see the look on her face. Right. So I, th- I felt like either they had the presence of mind to go, we don't need to do this again, which right. I would really like in a horror movie. Yeah. We can stop using sex as like, oh my God, not even sex. That's horrible. You can't. It's not sex. It's rape. It's yeah, not. It's, it's not rape. Right. At all. Like but, horrible it, things can happen to women that aren't rape. Right. Well, yeah. also when I was a kid watching movies like this, it was always used for titillation. Oh yeah, Suddenly they definitely get didn't do off that. And then, yeah, know, they didn't see do a that. Naked girl for two seconds. It was yeah. really gross. I think we are trained yeah. to understand the images that we were seeing right. could be leading up to sexual assault, but there was nothing like yeah. that. There was no tearing of clothes. Mm-hmm. She is fully clothed when they find right. her. Well, an example would be and wearing uh, jeans. Creep show too. Yes, where Ugh. you know again the rape scene there. Is played off as an excuse to watch a naked girl for a minute for the teenage boys in the right. audience or whoever else was, and, and so that was the feeling growing up. You saw a lot of that kind of thing, like, oh, here she doesn't get her clothes ripped off her and scream, and then suddenly at the last minute the hero rescues her. But you've gotten two but seconds. But we've of gotten the seat right. Right. It was it, it was always played very dirty and gross. That is terrible. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and then the next day. Chip comes to Jim's house. Mm-hmm. Chip, the the senior who he's had all these troubles with, and he's like, um, so I got in those new the new kids' cars, uh-huh. and uh, I was telling them how bad, like how you were harassing me and stuff, uh-huh. and they seem to really fucking want to kill you. And I need to tell you yeah. that it's not I I said a thing. Not thinking that it was going to be taken seriously, and I think they're taking it seriously. This is the short jumping moment of the film for me. Oh, yeah, because Chip runs away, he's hit by the devil car. Yes, they are driving him around on the hood of the car through the middle of town. That's the thing, yes. So so, he leaves, and yeah, he they he ends up being hit by the car, and Mm -hmm. he is carried on the hood, carried on the hood, he's holding on to it. Splayed out. And yeah, and that's what we were like, so what are people seeing? Because the thing was, Jim had seen the car chase Billy down, uh-huh. but everybody else that was around didn't see the didn't car see and just thought that Billy committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And nobody saw what happened to Kate, so that wasn't an issue. Uh-huh. But specifically the first time, the only person to see the car was Jim. Now, if that holds true, then everybody in town, because they're going through traffic, there are people around. There's a lot of people around. They are seeing Chip reverse supermanning through town, just well, levitating and screaming and attached to so nothing? Let's <laughs> say that they do see the car. They're essentially seeing, again, the Batmobile driving through the middle of yeah. town with a screaming teenager on the hood. Yeah. And, and yet, being totally fine. What's worse is that later on, the police, the local police, start conducting, and it's just the stereotypical police officer, conducting an investigation into whether or not Jim Norman is responsible for these right. murders. Because he had an anger issue right. before. They know that he's got an issue with Chip. He knew where Kate's mm-hmm. body was. Right. But 
again, this seems stupid because it comes after the fact that everyone, everyone in, in the town, whole town had seen, saw, saw yeah. a car running down yeah. this kid. Yeah. And it obviously was not Jim's car. Like, yeah. he wasn't driving around in a, in a Volkswagen bug with a guy, a teenager attached to his hood. It, it was, yeah. that's where, it, like, for me, I'm going, oh, okay. Although it was followed by, I think, a fun scene where they take Chip to the bridge and expose what they actually look like. Yes, I do like that. I like the effects in this movie. Right. They're all rotting corpses. And one of them is so far rotten that basically it's just a skull. On the, yeah, like, Vinny on the doesn't even it. have like his lower jaw. Right. He's and just it looks really... like a weird Muppet. Yeah. I, I love it. I kind of love it. But the fact that the next thing you see is them throwing bits and pieces of Chip out of the window of the car. Literally, what, he pulls out his tiny knife right. and then bits and pieces. lightsaber now. And then like <laughs> right. limbs start leaving. The, yeah. I was like, how did they? It's hard to Cut up a body and impossible with that item. Yeah. So yeah, it was it was pretty pretty silly. Um, and then we get our third greaser in in the town. And now let's step back a little bit mm-hmm. rather than going step by excuse me step by step. So what we find out, uh, Jim ends up going and talking to I believe the police, mm-hmm. the police officer that worked this case. Wait, wait, I gotta do it. You've got to believe me. There. Okay. <laughs> that scene comes in every one of these films. Oh, okay. You've got to believe me. I had nothing to do with the murders. You no, sure no, no, no. Not that police. Oh, I'm talking okay. about the... Oh, okay. That's right. The old okay. cop who had retired. He goes to a retirement um, community, and he is recognized. The police officer recognizes him. And he says, you know, these kids are coming back, mm-hmm. and they look exactly like they did the day that my brother was killed. And they say that they came from Milford, but I can't find a Milford High School. And uh-huh. I said, it's a cemetery. And mm-hmm. then the police officer on television said, Milford's not a high school. It's a cemetery. And there, I was like, ah! There is a throwaway <laughs> moment here where it's revealed the police officer was in a shooting and now has the ability to see the dead. Oh, that's right. It goes absolutely nowhere. Nowhere. That's why I totally forgot that was a thing. Absolutely nowhere, but that's a plot point that helps move the plot further along. You think, oh, he's going to be a bigger part of it. No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. So the the thugs come after his family. He gets them away and puts them in the church because that is where Wayne said was the safest place. Right. He tries to get Wayne to come back. He, like, goes to the cemetery and prays, and a light vagina opens up. Yes, it does. <laughs> it looks like a vagina of light. That's why I said it, and I will say it if again. If you see the film, you will completely understand. And but and he can kind of see Wayne's outline through it, and who's, like, looking around, but he can't come through. And then it closes up. And then he goes and finds Larry. His name's not Larry. What's his name? Daryl. It's not Daryl Daryl. He has a brother named Daryl. So he goes... Oh, now you're... Carl Mueller. Yes, Mueller. Played by William Sanderson, mm-hmm. who from the new... Was it... Newhart. Newhart was mm-hmm. the name. I always get the Newhart show and Newhart and Bob Newhart. And, uh, Newhart's... Uh, he played Larry. He had two brothers named Daryl and Daryl. Uh, I recognized him by his voice because he has a deep Tennessee accent that he has cultivated and held on to his entire career. Uh, and he is the greaser that got out of mm-hmm. the... Successfully out of the car before car it was crushed. Before it was crushed. Now, when he goes to this man's 
trailer because of course he lives in a trailer he a gun is pulled on him uh-huh. but he uh successfully gets the gun away from him because i'm pretty sure well, he's because also it's very drunk. half-hearted yeah he is he's, he's like, he doesn't want to hurt him direction but i'm not gonna shoot you and he's like, there's fucking nothing I can do about it. I don't know what to tell you. I guess the plan is to reenact Wayne's right. murder by killing Jim in the tunnel. Right, which is what was supposed to happen originally the first time they feel. And then I guess, then what? What do they get? Well, what they get <sighs> is that they... Because they've been in this in-between. They've been right. basically in limbo. In right? limbo because they have not... They died in the middle of this tragic accident, and they feel that, uh, rightfully, I guess, that Jim killed them by stealing the rabbit's Yes, which is so not they want untrue. to get back... Right, exactly. It's not, <laughs> it's, it's not untrue. I mean, it's justified, but it's not untrue that he did kind of kill them. So the idea is to kidnap his family, who's stupid, by the way, um, because you could have just stayed in the church. I guess they thought, yes, they could have. Oh, my God, the the son. Oh, I'll get to him in a second. I guess their their plan is they're going to get Scott to witness the, his dad's uh-huh. murder, thereby right. re- reenacting the whole thing. Now, Scotty, who is 11, 12, mm-hmm. old enough to fucking know better. Right. So first he hears people outside the church and he runs to the door and he opens the door and it's mm-hmm. Lawson and them. And oh God, but he hasn't gone outside so he's still safe and one of them takes a step in the church. It and tries that was a to really take a step in the church. Effect. It really was. And his <laughs> foot goes up in flames and so they, they can't come in. So they're like beating on the outside of the church and they right. break a window but they can't come in. Yeah. So be in the middle of the church and you're fine. Right. It's fine. You're yep. fine. Mm-hmm. And then... Like, like 35 seconds later, right. <laughs> he thinks he hears his dad outside, and so he runs, opens the door, and runs out of the door, because he's an idiot. idiot. <laughs> like, I was just like, and then, if mom, this is your child, uh-huh. mom, you should have tied him to something, because what are you mom doing? Mom follows him outside, yep. and then the big guy grabs her, and he's standing in the doorway, and as do- you pointed out. All she had to do she could have just is shove him off. in it and go, mm-hmm. the power of Christ compels you, bitch. <laughs> like, and you could have like, pushed him through that, that door. But no, she but doesn't she do doesn't it. Do it. Like, no. no, we're defenseless and helpless. It's deeply and, upsetting. Right, it's, so they get taken uh, to the tunnel, and then everybody goes to the tunnel. We're all going right. to meet at the tunnel. Now, the train trains don't come through this tunnel anymore. It should be noted. Now, there's a kerfuffle. Kerfuffle. Lawson is aggravated that Mueller got to live, and so he stabs him. And his two buddies are like, "You weren't supposed to kill him," and he's like, "He deserved it." No, and this of course, is a smart thing because this is yes, Mueller's plan. This is Mueller's plan because Mueller then says to Jim, "When one goes, one can come through." Right. Meaning that now whatever was blocking Wayne's path. And come through. And the flaw in this plan, as I pointed out to you, is that Wayne is still like an eleven-year-old boy, and these right, are three he's still a child. <laughs> yes, and these are <laughs> and grown men. So like, ah. These are grown men who have been cultivating this plan. So, right. and, and he's going to be a confused right. ghost. But okay. Right. <laughs> so the light vagina opens right. again, and here comes Wayne. Ah. and there's a fight. Uh-huh. And uh, the the keys are brought out uh-huh. again. He's like, remember these? I did have them the whole time because he went and 
he had had them in a box in right, his old house. Right, he had house, keepsake I mean, box yeah. that was in his boarded up house. And uh, Wayne distracts the gang. Jim gets, because his family's, his wife and kid are in the car. He mm-hmm. gets them out of the car. Uh, Jim gives, does he give them back the keys or does he throw them? I, I, at this I thought point, he chucked them. And they're in the car, mm-hmm. and then you hear a toot toot, and you look down, and the fucking midnight special with a red ring around Shine, it is right yeah. <laughs> shining its ever loving light. <laughs> no, I have to say, and that he's like, "Fuck you!" And he takes his family and he runs, and uh, I have they die. The train is beautifully creepy in this it is, scene. It is actually pretty cool. There are two really great train, spooky trains in movies. This one and the train in Something Wicked This Way comes which is putting out so much steam that it steam. looks like it's covered in ectoplasm. It looks like a ghost. Yeah. This one is a lurid red. Yeah, it it's is. so red I could see it. Yeah. <laughs> and, yep, yep, yep. And it's with this big single eye. It actually is creepy as hell and it's yeah. a great... And so it hits right. them and then they all poof into hell presumably uh-huh. and then Wayne is like well come with me to Jim and well first of all he's like mm-hmm. who are you because my brother is nine and he's like uh, it's been a while it's been 27 yeah. years since you died um, but now you can go on and mm-hmm. your, our parents are waiting for you you won't be stuck in right. this in between and place. you can be 11 year old forever forever and ever and ever and then Wayne is like, well, I want you to come with me, which is a mm. wild thing to say. Like, yeah. I need you to die now. <laughs> and, he, and Jim's like, I love you, but nah. Yeah. Because my family, like, clearly needs you. And my the, wife, the wife comes in at this moment going, yeah, yeah, we need him. My so son good. needs yeah. to learn how to protect himself, clearly. He From does not know. Uh, and uh, then Wayne goes back to the light vagina and Jim's family heads home, I guess, and leaves mm-hmm. the body of Carl Mueller behind. I that was the dumbest <laughs> abrupt ending. It's and like, then it was oh, just end credits. Walk home, and you're going, how many dead people? It's the are exact here now? same way that the Children of the Corn end. Right. Let's go yeah. for a walk. <laughs> like, I what? just didn't understand because there's he's still uh, under question from the police. He's still under investigation, rather. I'm sorry. There's still been three mis- right. well now four, four mysterious murders, deaths. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, or for mysterious deaths, right? Because they don't acknowledge that they're all murders, right? Um, and then I don't understand how on earth this family goes on. Yeah, I mean, they're going to be one of the fun things about the original Fright Night mm-hmm. was that when the whole story was ended, they show you know the next day and they're in therapy. Everyone is <laughs> wearing an enormous crucifix. <laughs> like you know, this this is how we live That's now. That's very funny. That's very good. <laughs> but, but, and I love that because it's like a tip of the hat to well, what do you do after you fought a vampire? <laughs> like you so just... let me. So that this right. what we watched varies vi- drastically, drastically from the original story. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you the plot summary for the original story. Okay. So first of all, it's just like the current it and the old it. Everything's mm-hmm. ticked back in time. So it was 1957 to 1974, whereas now we have like basically 1974 to 1990, right? Okay. It's quick that. All right. 9-year-old Jim Norman and his 12-year-old brother Wayne walk to the local library to return Jim's books. Attacked by a gang of local greasers, Wayne is stabbed to death by two of the older boys, but Jim escapes. 
Through random times in his life, Jim is haunted by nightmares, vividly reenacting the murder. No train, okay. no car accident, no nothing. Similar enough, though. Yeah, that's... In 1974, Jim is married, returns to his hometown to accept a job as an English teacher. Not history, which is a weird change, but okay. Mm -hmm. It all goes well until after the Christmas holiday, Jim learns one of his students was killed in a hit and run. A new student is added to Jim's class. Jim recognizes the boy, Robert Lawson, one of the greasers who killed his brother. He appears the same age, so that's the same. Mm -hmm. Another student falls to her death a week later, and another of the greasers, David Garcia, joins Jim's class. Also appears to be the same age as he was in 1957. When a third student disappears after expressing to Jim his concerns about the suspicious new arrivals, so this is our Chip character, a third greaser, Vinny Corey, joins the class. Terrified, he calls an old acquaintance, Donald Nell, a policeman who knew him and his brother in 1957. Same. Donald reveals that the three greasers died soon after Wayne's murder while they were fleeing police in a high-speed car chase only to collide with a telephone pole, causing all three to be electrocuted. So Jim had nothing to do with their deaths, was not there for their deaths, did not cause their deaths. Okay. Jim does not tell his wife Sally about the greasers, believing it would be better for her not to know. Sally is killed while riding in a taxi when... The re- uh, when the resurrected greasers forced the vehicle off the road. So, <laughs> here we go. Finally, after consulting a book of spells, Jim summons a demon, cutting off his own index fingers as a blood sacrifice, both of them, I guess, okay. and asks that it defeat the undead greasers. In response, the demon takes the shape of Wayne, so it's not his angelic brother right. coming to save him. It is a demon who overpowers powers the greasers, takes their souls to hell. As it leaves, the demon promises it will return, and Jim recalls the warning from the book. Although demons can be summoned and banished, quote, sometimes they come back. Oh. Oh, there we go. And this, you couldn't put that with cat's eye. You have to change it because that's too many fingers getting cut off for different reasons. Well, yeah. Also, it muddles the power of a cut off kind of finger. Like a, it's pumpkin head, right? I you don't know, know anything like about a pumpkin head. It's back the demon to get revenge on the, the people. I think in that case it was... I've never seen those yeah. movies. Any of the 19 of them or however many of them there are. I'm going to have to look that up because I think it's the same plot. And uh, But yeah, I, that wouldn't have been my first move. <laughs> so... The Ledge and Quitter's Inc. were both also in Night Shift, Mm -hmm. and Quitter's Inc. is the other finger-cutting-off thing. Uh, And so this is the second Night Shift story that involves the cutting-off of fingers. I'm glad that they didn't put those back-to-back, because I do think that that would... I mean, I don't know if they would have... Did they change this because... Of that? Did I don't they... know. Maybe I thought the, there was too much story, I think, this... for a, a short segment. Yes, I think that's right, too. I, this also feels more in line with the Stephen mm-hmm. King adaptations, as we know them, with good and evil fighting each other instead of evil and evil fighting each other, right. which is not a typical thing that we see, at least in the adaptations, and typically not in his stories. The, the structure of this movie that we watched is much closer to the Stephen King story structure that we're used to, I would say. Yeah, okay, so, yes. Pumpkinhead, the same plot. 
Just so that Pumpkinhead you know, is a demon that is he a is summoned demon? up after a, a man loses his son. Okay. And to a group of uh, dirt bikers. But those aren't ghost dirt bikers. Right. But I mean, it has a similar idea that. Right. Because that's, again, it's just a weird place to go. Then suddenly it becomes a story about a man who summons a demon. So this movie was also followed up by two straight to video sequels. Sometimes they come back again, and sometimes they come back for more. Which. (laughs) I kind of like that last one. I'm not going to lie. Of the things they could have called them. Mm I'm not mad at that. Uh, we're not going to watch either of those. No, we're not. Just so everyone knows. <laughs> That's not a thing that we're going to do. Uh, but what did you, overall, what did you think? I think as an adaptation, it's if the story was what I just said and what we watched is what we watched, it's not a great adaptation. It's not a great adaptation, but I, I But think, it is a good adaptation of Stephen King's themes. I right. Think. I think it, it also, it sounds, I, I'm much more sympathetic with a guy who doesn't call up demons and cut off. Right? Right. This is just a weird turn. When you describe that right, I'm going, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I think that as a film. I forgot to do the Winston's thing. <laughs> As a film, I think it's actually pretty good. I'm surprised it was done for television because it's pretty gory at times. Uh, but the only thing I don't like it is that it is very much paint by the numbers. It is. There's no point where I didn't know what was going to happen. And characters are introduced and they're sympathetic just because they're going to get killed. Yeah. You're like, um, oh, he's having a conversation with a student. That person. And of course, it's almost comical how often the principal just, we get a shot of the principal stopping and looking disapprovingly. Just really doesn't. He was yeah. disapproval incarnate. It was bananas. But it's like looking at just the right moment to cast doubt on what Well, because well, he did have... He did have Chip up against the wall by his right. but it's collar like at one point. Every time that it seems that there's a thing that might call... Jim's sanity into question or ability, the principal just happens to be there. Happens to be there, yeah. And then, so that that got to be kind of funny after a while. It's like, oh, there he goes. Yeah. Um, and some of the characters, like the police uh, officer who's investigating, is just there to be a, a dick. That's basically his job. Officer Nell is the same Officer Nell Sans bananas accents uh-huh. from it. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, he did have an Irish accent, but <laughs> yeah, there wasn't it wasn't enough dialogue, and yeah. it really wasn't like, you know, he was uh, playing playing it, you know, as a character from Leprechaun. Um, but I think as a movie, it worked fairly well. It just was very predictable, and, and the things in it were fun. It was an agreeable time passer. And you like the characters, you like the family, I actually, except for the dumb kid. But, um. That kid just had no instinct, like self preservation. But instinct. it was a, a polished film. It wasn't like when I was watching Children of the Corn, where I felt half the time I'm watching a student film. Uh, and we posted a better student film, as a matter of fact, when that was on. What did you think? It's on the uh, Facebook page. Right, on the Facebook page. And it was a, it was a film that was done that was not a necessarily a professional this film. Was, much better than the one that got released because it looked very amateurish. This was okay. This was well made, yeah. Uh-huh. Especially for a TV movie. I yes. really liked the, the effect of the gory 
corpse right. uh, faces when when they when they switched over to that view, which they did sometimes, like in Beetlejuice, like look what I can do, monster yeah. face. I also thought the kid, the dude that played Richard Lawson, was very yeah. good. Yes, he was. He was too old to be in high school. Too old, but he was a compelling actor. Yeah, uh, who I don't, I did not recognize. Uh, he was, his name is Robert Rustler, and I don't, don't know. He was an athlete. That doesn't surprise me. No, he's a big guy, but he did a lot of. He was really good in this film. He really. Um, he did a great job with uh, with kind of like he's hurting these other ones yes. into causing trouble. And the blonde kid with his hyena laugh and the whole bit. He was not, yeah, he, he actually was believable as the mm-hmm. leader of, of this group. And the other two weren't so doltish right. as th- we've seen yeah. as the the others in the group where you have one lead guy yeah. for no reason. This, um so we can go back to the Native American kid in right. Creepshow. Was that two? I think that was Creepshow that was two. two. Yeah, it was, um, that was the only watchable segment. Really, and Christine, uh-huh. uh, where you're just like, I don't understand. Henry Bowers is also sort of believable, but right. he starts tipping over into those kids are going to abandon him at some point because yeah. he's freaking them out. Uh, but even in this one, you know, he pulls out his knife, which his friends have to know he has. Right. And their first response is, well, don't actually cut him. And I'm just like, well, what? This this kid apparently goes around pulling this knife regularly. He seems very comfortable yeah. with it. Do you freak out like this every time? Or is it special right now? <laughs> like, it's really, it's an odd thing. But he's he was very good. I liked him. Uh, and, yeah, Tim Matheson is a compelling leading. Yeah, I think overall, man. I think that's what, what, what works in his favor is having Tim Matheson and Brooke Adams as the kind of center of it. But as I said, there's no, um, there's no real, there's no surprises in this film. No, it's, it's, just it's pretty on, uh, on rails. Right. Tracks, Very funny. even. Very funny. Yeah, some hilarious. So, that is Sometimes They Come Back. We watched it we paid to watch it in HD on Voodoo. Y'all can watch it in HD on YouTube. So make your choice. Make your choice. Next week, we are going to watch a thing that I know literally nothing about. Uh-huh. Then we've got a two we've just gotten off of a two-parter and we're going mm-hmm. back into a two-parter. So we're watching the Golden Years. It's a mini-series from 1991. Uh, it's seven parts for next week. It is based on... I thought it was original. Oh, it is an original thing. Mm-hmm. It originated as an idea for a novel. It sat in his notebook for years. It's a novel for television. He wrote the first five episodes and outlined the last two. And he credits Twin Peaks for making it possible for Golden Ears to be produced. Yeah, there was a real feeling of that. I remember seeing a couple of the programs, although I didn't really see them in order. So I didn't get a sense of uh, of what um, what it was really all about, because it, it's quite involved the story. Yeah, what we're what, gonna see the shop 
from Firestarter. Right. What I liked about it, though, was... Well, I, I made this mistake, and I'll, I'll share this experience with you now, and then we'll talk about it when we see the program, is that the show doesn't have an ending. Okay. There was a really weird tacked-on ending that was put on when it was released on cable. Okay. Where I'm like, this is not the way... I remember seeing the last episode of the program being really confused by it, and then seeing... Um, the weird tacked-on ending that was put on, a, and it was, it was tacked-on and it was cheap that was put on for, I guess it was when it was rebroadcast on the Sci-Fi channel, like they need to have Oh, did they do it on Sci-Fi? And okay. it was just bad. I'm like, wow, that makes no sense at all. So I'm really anxious to see the program again. I just remember that if there was able, they were able to do a deep dive into these characters, and we'd seen this agency around and other Stephen King stuff. Yeah. So, so he goes let me, into depth about it. Let me prepare you. All right. The miniseries was intended to lead into a regular series and therefore ends on a cliffhanger. CBS, however, decided not to pick up the option for a full series, series and it was never realized. King asked for four hours of airtime in the following spring to finish the story, but CBS denied him this as well. The home video version changes the last few minutes of the final episode to give the story an optimistic ending. That's probably what we have. What we have is a set that includes this and uh, The Stand and something. Oh, uh, Storm of the Century. Which is miniseries galore. uh, Yeah. And Uh, personally, I love Storm of the Century. So those um so we're watching that version of mm-hmm. it so we'll let you know yeah i'll i'll i'm curious to see what we actually got because i i remember it yeah it was very different and i was just confused there was a lot of one of the things that we did twin peaks the the uh the storyline earlier yes we our first season we was twin did peaks. not have fun with it and I, that's really weird because i i really feel that's a case where coming late to the party Kind of ruined it because ruined it, yeah. there's so much derivative of what they did now, afterwards. It's yeah. become staples of television. Like what we talked about, I think, last week or the week before with The Simpsons ruining things. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Twin Peaks, I think, was at its best if you watched it when it was being right. released. That was one that did not age well because it, yeah, everything became a trope. And Quirky shows like Northern Exposure or Picket Fences owe a lot to Twin American, Peaks. American, what was it called? American, American Gothic. Gothic. Right, owes a lot to Twin Peaks. The X-Files certainly owes a lot to Twin Peaks. So it really changed the face of television. And I watched all of right. those things. Right, exactly. And then when I go to watch Twin Peaks, it had all of that against it and then David Lynch against it. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> right, there were, well, and again, I felt... Um, and we have that whole season if you want to listen to yeah. it. Yeah. But I felt always in watching it that there's a cast of 20 people and I'm only interested in eight yeah. of them. Right. And anytime any of these other people right. are on and screen, were, I was like, especially I don't care. Especially the Scooby gang, the teenage kids who just have this... Fucking things up. Continuously bungled... <laughs> yep. Uh, Everything. Kind of... Um, investigation that just winds up getting people killed or beaten up. It's embarrassing how bad they are at this. But um, They're kids. They're not supposed to be good at it. But it just, yeah, it just wound up being kind of like, oh, God, those stupid kids again. And all those are actors I wound up liking later on. I know, yeah. It's pretty crazy. Which is funny. Laura Flynn Boyle and Mac Dynamic. All right, okay. They were Uh, great. So so next week we'll watch The Golden Years. Uh, 
And what else? What else? What else? Do you have anything to recommend? I know we're I, on a I weird... Don't, I'm trying to... And, and maybe this is something that, again, I'm coming late to. Yeah, because I was writing most of the weekend, so I didn't really see anything new. Oh. I am trying to catch up on Dark Crystal so I can watch the new series. I've never seen the film before. <gasps> really? Yeah. So are you watching it now? Um, I got about 10 or 15 minutes into it. Um, there are Muppet but... boobs in it. Really? Yep. That's weird. Okay, so then I, I haven't seen much of it really so far. Oh, I will watch it with you. The the characters are all speaking these weird squeaky voices mm-hmm. I can't really hear. But That's why we have the captioning. <laughs> yeah, so I'm curious about it more, but I really want to catch up on it. And there was so much else to do this weekend I didn't get a chance. Mm-hmm. So um yeah, that's what I'm doing right now. What about you? Have you seen anything or I feel like yes. I will recommend, and y'all have probably already watched it. We're the latecomers, remember? So I watched uh the Good Omens miniseries on oh, Amazon. I really enjoyed it. Now I have also just binged the entire Good Fight on CBS All Access, uh-huh. which has Michael Sheen in it, doing a completely different role uh-huh. than he's doing in this. And it was pretty wild to watch those two things, but like within a week of each other. Uh-huh. Uh, the best part of it is the first 20 minutes of episode three. If you only want to watch that, I recommend that highly. But I liked the whole story. I thought it was pretty good. I haven't read the book in... 15 years. Okay. I, I did read it when we were working at Cody's. So Wow, that is a long ago. Time. And um, haven't really read much of either of those uh, authors other than Good Omens, really. Right. Um, I read Coraline. I think that's the only other Which full... Which I think they're now doing a live-action adaptation of. Oh, really? For reasons I don't understand. I love the... I love the animated the animated film. one, so I don't need a live action That's one. <laughs> but, um, but I like Neil Gaiman in theory. I like Terry Pratchett in theory. I just haven't read more of their stuff for well, no reason. I, I don't think I. I don't. They're not my cup of tea, probably. Yeah, I didn't know if you would think it was overly blasphemous. Uh-huh. I think it's an interesting take, and I don't think it's. I think it's tongue-in-cheek enough. It generally doesn't bother me when it's not using my particular religious iconography. It's using your particular religious iconography. That always kind of irks me because I'm like, no, they're doing it wrong. It's an angel and a devil. Uh And it's like the the whole premise is Michael Sheen is an angel Uh and um, David Tennant is a devil Uh or is a demon. And they meet, you see them first and they meet in the garden uh-huh. where David Tennant has serpented himself and gotten them to eat an apple. Right. And Michael Sheen has given his flaming sword to Adam because it didn't seem right that he was just expelled with nothing. Right. And then they are both basically assigned by heaven and hell to like do good or bad uh-huh. on earth. and But they're... Basically, they cancel each other out, and they kind of get to the point where they're like, well, you're going to Edinburgh anyway, so why don't you do the thing I was supposed to go up there and do, because I don't really want to ride a horse for three weeks (laughs) to get there or whatever. And they become, I would argue, they are in a platonic romantic relationship. (laughs) Like, I don't know that they're 
there's any sexual anything. They mm-hmm. love each other deeply by the end of this thing. Uh, and that relationship is very fun and good. And also they, but they both like have lived on earth forever. Uh-huh. And they're like, so they want Armageddon to start. And that'd be a real fucking bummer because I like it here. Like I am comfortable. I have, uh-huh. I've made myself comfortable with the earthly delights and I would like to stay here with that, please. And it's, you know, that set of events and, but they do have, there's an antichrist and, yeah. you know. Which we'll be talking about on our other podcast. On our other show, which yeah. is in a very different context. But yes. it's, you know, but it's all done through that British humor, satire lens. So it's it's all taking the piss out of everything right. without actually being like, folk. it's not a Philip Pullman situation. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, so I don't know. I liked. I enjoyed it, but okay. like I said, that first twenty minutes of episode three, you just see them meeting up through time, uh-huh. and just th- them at various points in history, and the conversation and the the way that their relationship grows. It's my favorite part, and I love them okay. very much. And they're the strongest. It's those two. Uh-huh. Anytime it's not those two, the show's fine, but those two make the show for sure. So. Uh, yep. It's on Amazon. Good omens. I think that's everything. Yes. If you have questions, comments, concerns, please write to us, uh, latecomerspod at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at latecomerspod. Uh, I am still working on us getting an Instagram. It's, it's hard to do. I've gotten there's, it. There, You're the one who's going to have to cultivate it, though, because I can't take a picture to save my life. Okay. So that's gonna be fun, and first, you'll explain to me what an Instagram is, and yes, then I'll take pictures. I'll I'll show it okay, to you. You'll okay. be impressed. And let's see what else. Oh, we're on Facebook. We're on Facebook page, uh, Late Comments Podcast. Next week, Golden Years mini series, mm-hmm. nineteen ninety one, and we will talk to you then. I remind you to take your medicine, and we remind you better, better late, late than, than never. never. Woo-hoo.